it's February finally, and welcome to One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. And yes, uh, JJ, look what I've got. Oh, yes. Uh, what are you uh, enjoying? Oh, I love it. I love it. Very nice. It's, it's tea. So oh. it's, it's so uh, lemonade, lemonade for this uh, Cardinal fan. This, this Cub fans don't start drinking until the June <laughs> swoon. So it's just tea right now. So. Anyway, uh, we are happy that you're with us, and I do want to remind you to pay attention to our social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and you can contact us through one card, one cup, one beer at gmail.com. Subscribe to our page by clicking on the icon on the bottom right of your screen, those of you who are on Mac or PC, and I think also any Android device also has that. But if you're watching this on your TV on the YouTube channel, you don't see that. So you're going to have to physically find an Android and, and like us and follow us on that. Uh, uh, but also uh, support us through Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com. You can search One Cardinal, One Cup, and One Beer to support our efforts. And speaking of Patreon, we have a new Patreon, uh, Mr. Stan Jones, Stanley Jones. Uh, and he told me that he found our YouTube page um in his uh little youtube suggested videos and uh he's actually a cub fan so that's pretty cool right. and uh he is supporting us through patreon and he did take the opportunity to remind me of something that i knew last week but sometimes the brain when it gets this age it gets stuck on something <laughs> and i was talking about uh matt caesar S-Z-C-Z-U-R, and I kept calling him Scherzer, Serger, because it sounds like Max Serger, so my brain was kind of messing up. Mm -hmm. Matt Caesar is pronounced Matt Caesar, like, you know, um, Caesar, Hail Caesar. Oh, a Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yes. stuff like that. So um, did you have a chance to look up any of his art? No, I did not. No, it's been a crazy week with the snows and the... And working midnights, it's been a crazy, crazy week this week. So no, but I will do it. Well, you can you can buy you can buy him either as prints or you can buy the original paintings. He's got one painting of a, uh, I think it's uh, the DC characters doing baseball. It's pretty cool. Oh, so that is, um, I love that idea. And if you got five grand, you can add it to your collection. So, like I said, this is mostly stuff that I'm not getting, but it is it is beautiful stuff. So JJ, how are you doing? Oh man, we made it through December. We've made it through January, and now here we are in February. Uh, I don't know. I've had, I'm a little optimist. You know, it's getting closer to the baseball season. I'm seeing commercials where the pitchers and catchers are going to be down in spring training in two weeks. And uh, man, it's getting exciting. It really is. I, I've got a ton of baseball news. If that's okay, you that's good be because I have very little. So <laughs> it's going to work out great. You remember, I don't know if you, I subscribed to Baseball Digest when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it used to be the size of a TV guide. And yes. I think in, I don't know, maybe I'm just old. <laughs> well, I am old. But the charm of the magazine was it was real little and it had a lot of information in it. Now it's regular magazine size. Something about the TV guide and something about Baseball Digest, when they got bigger, I kind of lost a little interest in them. I'm just shallow like that, I guess. But they came out with their all-rookie team, and a lot of these guys will have the little trophy on their baseball cards uh, in the upcoming year because they're on the all-rookie team. And if you can, I'm just going to read through this quickly. 
but there's so much young talent in the game. I think we're in a transitional period now where uh, you've got all these great players that are a lot of them in their prime. We got Miguel Cabrera. It's his last year, but we got so many good young players. So this was basically it: uh, position player, uh, a DH, a starting pitcher, and a reliever. And here was a team: Adley Rushman, uh, the catcher from the Baltimore Orioles. Fantastic, fantastic yeah. young talent. Uh, he's so good he may end up at first base one day because that guy can hit. Uh, this uh, first baseman from Arizona, Emmanuel Rivera. I'll be honest, I didn't know a whole lot about him, but I will check that out. Second baseman, uh, Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals. Although he was more of a utility guy, he did play more second base than anywhere else. Uh, Jeremy Pena, the star of the World Series and playoffs. Everybody knows this guy now from the, the Astros. A third baseman, Jose Miranda. And from the fantasy leagues, I know this guy, and he had a heck of a year. Minnesota can hit with almost anybody. They're a very good young team, and this, this kid's going to be good for a long time. The outfield is fantastic. Michael Harris, the rookie of the year in the National League uh, for Atlanta. Uh, Stephen Kwan from uh, Cleveland and Julio yeah. Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. He's very good. And uh, Julio Rodriguez, the American League Rookie of the Year, that's the outfield. That's pretty good. And the DH, just, it was like a 10th man, is Bobby Witt Jr. from Kansas City. And I didn't know he was a uh, 20 home run, 30 stolen base guy. Yeah. His, his average was low, uh, but but his power numbers were pretty good. He's got a lot of speed and he stole some bases. I caught about 10 Royals games last year. Um, and you know, sometimes I just have it on in the background when I'm cooking or something. Um, but, you know, when certain players are, oh, I, I want to see this guy. So when I hear Bobby Witt, you know, I kind of pay attention. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I like what I what I saw. Oh, yeah. He uh, actually, they traded uh, their shortstop Mondesi. Yes. They tried at other positions, but they ended up trading him because of Witt Jr. becoming – you know, I, and that were a team they could let young guys come up and learn. Like you were talking about the young first baseman for the Cubs, hoping he could come up and now's the time, let him get some playing time. Well, the Royals were able to do that with some of their young guys. Um, and the two, the starting pitcher was Spencer Strider from Atlanta, who finished second in the uh, National League Rookie of the Year. And the reliever, I didn't know much about this guy, Felix Batista from Baltimore. But they said, this is a guy, he's going to be good for a lot of, for many years to come, he's a big guy, throws the ball hard. It's just for one inning, he's just hard to hit. So that's the all rookie team. Um, and that's kind of fun. I like looking at that. Sometimes three years from now, there might be two or three guys on that list that aren't even in baseball anymore. And yeah. there's some and there's some guys, this is just the beginning of a uh, Hall of Fame type career. So it's it's kind of a it's fun to look at that stuff though. I like that, especially when there's a cardinal on it. I kind of get excited. Oh, we got a cardinal on there. Um, also the new, uh, 2023 MLB show game come up. I, there's a lot of young folks that listen to the podcast and, uh, that's a big game with a lot of the game players. And, uh, it's sort of like the, uh, Madden game, yeah. whoever's on the front of it, it's kind of a big honor. And, uh, the Florida Marlin, uh, second baseman now looks like a center field, uh, jazz Chishold will be the is the face of the game this year and he's a di dynamic young player i know this isn't cardinal news but this is kind of baseball news and we have a lot of uh young folks that uh that play the uh the show game i tried and i'm terrible vince if i was if the cardinals depended on my game plan they'd be about two and 160 okay a year. 
when I, when I was a kid, I was one of the first people on my block to have a pong game. Oh yes. <laughs> so, which was weird because I, you know, I had some economic disadvantages that my friends didn't have, and suddenly I get a pong game and they don't have one. But a friend of mine, he he got it. He got an Atari, and then a few years later, another friend got an Atari. So I I got to the Atari game late, and then I got the uh, Nintendo, the original Nintendo system. Uh, I think about eighty eight, and then I I I got a PlayStation, the first PlayStation, just so I could play Resident Evil. Oh, very nice. And now, I mean, so that that was that was gosh, I was in the late nineties. I watched my kids play video games growing up, and I couldn't. I, what the hell are you doing? You're jumping from planet to planet. You're in a pond. Suddenly, you're you're in a spaceship. Oh no, there's a dinosaur coming. I could. It was moving way too fast. I just wanted to play Tetris, man. Yeah. <laughs> Something simple. So so. I started off playing video games, but video games just kind of shot up here. And Vince is still kind of like right here, you know, give me space invaders, give me missile command and I'm fine. But don't give me something where I'm going into all these worlds and, and oh. sticking my tongue out <laughs> following universes. I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I Which, think that's a, I think we're getting old, Vince. I think that's one yeah. of the signs of right there. But all that to say this, the baseball games, there's too many buttons. There's too many buttons to move people. And I feel like a fool when I try to do it. So I quit playing video baseball games about 1990. It's frustrating. I, I, Stratomatic baseball, I'm fine with that. Yes. You know, but the electronic stuff, oh. ugh, it's so hard. I've even got, I've got the original Mattel baseball game uh, that came out in the 80s. You know, they came out with the uh, football game first, the little Mattel football game. Then they oh, came yeah. out with that one. Then they came out with baseball, hockey, and soccer. And the baseball game is pretty good. I got that. I can play that. I have <laughs> this bases loaded game, and oh, I can play I... this pretty decent. But yes, this, this is actually like a game from the '90s, uh, even though they updated it and put it in handheld form. You kept it in great shape, by the way. That's oh, it. It's. I just bought that a few years ago. I found it. Oh, I thought okay. I gotta have this, you know. Yeah. And I played it like three times. You know, it's one of those impulse buys, you know. It's like, yeah, I think I need this and a pizza, you know. And they're both not used much after the first time. So. RBI baseball was fun. You could throw a curveball and it'd go way outside, or they hit a high ball, and you're out there, and your guy runs real slow. I still messed up on that, throwing it to the wrong base. Oh yeah. Like you know, but man, that was fun. Um. Oh, we had a, a contest winner. Uh, our Who Can It Be Now contest winner, a good friend, uh, Brandon Schmidt. He lives in the suburbs outside Cincinnati. I mentioned we had somebody from Cincinnati reach out to us. And uh, Ohio, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, he guessed uh, Sean Dunstan. And I always was a friend, a uh, fan of uh, Sean Dunstan. I think he was a phenomenal player. We wanted to do a Cub player. And I'm I'm flashing up some baseball cards of Sean. I like that action card of him sliding in, and then uh, him catching a uh, a fly ball there. I the the clues we we only gave two clues. They knew it was a player from seventy to 
2022. They knew it was a Cub player. It was a hitter. And then the second clue was an infielder. So this week's clue was going to be the left side of the infield. Uh, known for, And then the fourth clue was going to be a cannon arm. And then the fifth clue was going to be an African-American player. And then if there were, needed to be another clue, it was going to be he played for both the Cardinals and the Cubs. And uh, but I believe he played a year with the Cardinals. I was going to research yeah. that before. Right. There he down at the end. But his he's always going to be known in my book as one of the greatest uh, a greatest uh, players I've seen in a Cub uniform. And so I'll be sending this up to Brandon, the Don Kessinger uh, autograph eight by ten. And I was looking uh, online and it had the 25 greatest Chicago Cub players. And it mentioned Don Kessinger as 17th on that list. So that's pretty good. Yeah. All-star player. Uh, We also are announcing, uh, I didn't know if you were going to touch on this, but Dexter Fowler retired. And um, I always, a class guy, played with a lot of teams. I first noticed him with the Colorado Rockies. And uh, he had a 14-year career. He played famously, I'll let you talk about his Cub days, a big home run in the World Series. Uh, For the Cardinals, a very good player. Um, We were in, we needed outfield help. Oscar Traveris was supposed to be our next big player. And unfortunately, he passed away. And we were looking for Jason Hayward and uh, Ozuna and Dexter Fowler uh, filled those spots. He was a very uh, professional player. Um, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to anything about Dexter Fowler in there. I, I, I just like to add this. Uh, he, he was a great guy, a, a fantastic person. And um, he, he played two years with the Cubs, 15 when we went to the uh, National League Championship Series and 16 when we won it all. He was our leadoff hitter. And uh, Madden used to tell him, as you go, we go. And that was true. Um, he got on base, he made things happen and would generally have a good, uh, good game when, uh, Dexter got things rolling. Um, he's going to, uh, the marquee network, um, to join one of, uh, 87 out analysts that they have on the marquee network. <laughs> it just seems like there's more people there all the time, but, uh, I, I don't remember why, but he got, he got off on a bad foot in St. Louis, Something happened. I don't quite remember something with his wife or something. Um, someone didn't like his wife or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, I felt bad for him and the St. Louis fans because they didn't get the best of Dexter. I mean, we we got the best of him. He had some moments in St. Louis, but for what you were hoping you were getting, he really didn't fulfill that 100%. And he, he'd probably be the first to tell you that, but great person and uh i i remember and after 2015 he was our leadoff hitter he was a free agent and rumors was he was going to baltimore th- uh three years for 30 million and the next day he just walked into cubs camp the that was a rumor and he signed with the cubs for another year and we won the world series with him so great friend of uh he's a great friend of jason hayward they uh played uh, next to each other for two seasons so oh great. yeah he I I remember a lot of good things. I know he had one really good year here, and uh, I I always liked the guy. He was always smiling, positive, uh, a good teammate, it seems like, and always fun to see play. Yeah, all Uh, all, all of his teammates loved him. Oh, yeah. Uh, We uh, had a signing this week uh, from the KBO, the Korean Baseball League, over there, and we have a guy named Andrew Sorez, a left-hander. 
He played at the highest level over in the Korean League. He was the second-round draft choice in 2014 for the San Francisco Giants. And the Cardinals have hit gold sometimes going overseas and picking up players. Uh, Miles Michaelis was a guy who played in, a, in the MLB for a few years. Had kind of uh, nobody. He was kind of unnoticeable. Went over there, found himself, and came back and has been a really good pitcher. He's uh, been hurt a couple of years, but he's had two really good years with the Cardinals. We're counting on him heavy this year. So Andrew Suarez, he's a left-hander, probably fighting for a bullpen spot. We got a few left-handers. Cardinals are kind of left-handed heavy, and uh, we'll probably at least see him in Memphis. And up, you know how the season goes. A lot of injuries. Can't have enough pitching. So no. I'm glad I'm glad we got another left-hander in there. Uh, the Cardinals uh, have their first female uniform uh, coach, Christina Whitlock, and I seen you put that out, and I had heard that, and I uh, looked her up a little bit. Uh, she was supposed to be signed a couple of years ago, and because of uh, oh COVID, she was she hadn't started when she was going to she's a two-time all-american catcher in softball a high high a and she's going to coach at the high a peoria chiefs uh she helped south carolina uh to a national championship and she was actually hired in 2020 and then the pandemic hit and she's going to be a hybrid coach uh, coach scout working with technology and a lot of analytics so um uh, congratulations it's good to have her aboard and uh you know, hope she stays a long, long time and is happy here. Now we've a, uh, I have a friend who's a baseball nut. She lives out in Kansas City. She's a San Francisco Giants fan, and we've had her booked. And uh, it, it's kind of tough working with her schedule. And then we had her booked for last week, actually. And then she's, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I have to take my mom to an appointment or something. So I'm still trying to get her book to talk about the subject of the increasing role of women in Major League Baseball, um, because it it's it is a growing field, and I'm not sure. You know, baseball fans we tend to be older white conservatives, yeah. And I I was watching an ESPN game, and Jessica Mendoza was doing the color, and I I like Jessica Jessica Mendoza. I think she's she's great at her job, and she. Uh, there was a ball hit directly over someone's head in center field, which every, any outfielder would tell you that's the hardest ball to judge, the one that's coming right at you. And uh, the center fielder, I don't remember who it was, misjudged the ball, and she was explaining how that's a very difficult catch to make, you know, to judge. And uh, to give you an example, Kurt Flood, that's what happened to him in the uh, 68 World Series. So, um Cardinal fans would understand that. Mm -hmm. So even the best, it's a very difficult thing to judge. Oh, yeah. She, she said that. And um, I I used to belong to a lot of baseball groups on Facebook. And this this guy said, well, I'm watching the game. And, and he said, some girl said that that was a very hard catch, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just trashed her. And a few of us got on there and said, Dude, what do you mean some girl? That's Jessica Mendoza, one of the best color commentators in baseball right now, number one, number two. What does her gender have to do with her knowledge of the game? She was an outfielder when she played softball. It's the same concept. It's tough to judge. But anyway, we 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 kind of, I don't know, uh, uh, stood up for her there. But 
Um, very, very proud of Christina Whitlock. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, what role she does fulfill um, when she is in uniform and doing her on-field stuff. And I, I remember, I think it was uh, um, when Rick Pitino was at Louisville. Maybe, no, I think it was a, when he was at Kentucky. Uh, he hired a female assistant for a few seasons, a grad assistant. And that was that was kind of weird to see at that time. That was in the 90s. Like, oh, yeah. Now you, it's just kind of something you see. It's it's common. So. I, I think it's great. When we were kids, there was only a few coaches. There, uh, You know, you had your first and third base coach, a pitching coach, hitting coach, and your manager. And, you know, when they had the baseball card with all the coaches on, there was only four or five guys on there. But now uh, with all the technology and all the uh, stats and, and that's available for the players, there's a lot more uh, opportunities. And I really don't know anybody that would have a problem with that. Um, I think it's great. Usually you see X players, uh, but in that technology role and general manager role, you hardly ever see a player in the general manager role. It's usually uh, somebody a lot smarter than the players. Usually, that uh, you know, uh, financial things and all that. That's a uh, you know, usually out of most of our realm of expertise or anything like that. Now the, the Marlins have a female general manager. Um, I think Seattle, uh, Seattle, mate. Oh no, it is Florida. You're right. It yeah. is Florida. And then I, I I remember as a kid when they first started letting female reporters in the locker room, how it was a huge deal. I remember that. And there was a few. Um, I do remember that the football player, Zeke Moab, uh, he made some terrible gestures and comments uh, to a female reporter and got booted from the league. And this is at a time when that misogyny was a little more accepted. But it was tough, man, at that time. Uh, for a female to go into the uh, locker room because that was a man's domain. I mean, it's changed now. There's, you know, female reporters all over the place now and nobody thinks twice about it. It seems like the players, the league makes the players be more accessible too. I think sometimes they were just kind of ornery and condescending. Some of them didn't really want to talk. Some were always available to talk, but it seems now there's a time, as long as it's like an hour after the game, that most of the players are available. I think it's fantastic. It's good for the game. The fans like us want to know what were you thinking when you decided to do this or something like that. And sometimes they do ask some tough questions. I remember uh, uh, Tony Larusa and Bernie Nicholas getting into it in the uh, in the locker rooms a few times when Bernie was asking questions Tony Larusa didn't want to answer. Yeah, I remember, get, remember that. I remember Bernie kind of standing up and getting in his face. Bernie's the huge guy and Tony kind of like, Hey, that's the only time I ever saw Tony kind of like, all right, maybe I did. Cause let's face it. I used to tell Kathy all the time. LaRusse is a jerk. It can be his, his, his conferences after the games. He was just a jerk. That asked a legitimate question. You've got to ask the question. He's a bad manager, bad manager. It was bad management. All right. <laughs> He reminded me of Bill Belichick a little. Short answers, that's it, you know, on to Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, great manager. I just did I did not like his press conference. I, I understand. I, I understand totally. Um, 
I got two more little things here. I'm excited about the World Baseball Classic. I never really got too excited about it, but some of the lineups are coming out. And have you seen the Dominican team lineup? I mean, this is an all-star team. Gary Sanchez catching, Vladimir, Ger Ger Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first. Jose Ramirez from the Guardians is going to play second. He's usually a third baseman. You got Jeremy Pena at short, Manny Machado at third, Elroy, Eloy Jimenez in the outfield, Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto. And just for DH, you got De uh, Rafael Devers. My God, what a hitting team. Dominicans are going to be tough to beat. And for pitching, they got Sandy Alcantara, Luis Castillo, Christian Javier, and uh, Valdez and their pitching staff. My gosh, I think they're taking it pretty darn serious there. That is going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, but can they beat the Netherlands? Can they beat <laughs> Italy? I don't know. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. There'll be too much dancing and stuff. I don't know, man. They'll be celebrating all the home runs and wear themselves out. Then you come from behind. It I think be, that's yeah. be their strategy. And finally, I'd like to let everybody know this. Orlando Gardens this weekend, there's a baseball card show. Always people want to know, hey, where can I get certain things? Uh, Phil, Phil Brooks, who has been on here before, he'll be out there. Got a lot of cool stuff. There's cards memorabilia, all kinds of stuff, but there's going to be three players out there. Uh, NFL, great, tight end, Jackie Smith will be wow. out there. Yeah, Jackie Smith and two players. And we've, uh, Bake McBride, the Philadelphia wow. Philly and San Luis Cardinal, who I love shaking Bake McBride. Callaway kid. Yeah. The Callaway kid, very good. Yeah, I think Mike Shannon used to call him that. And the other one, we had a uh, show on here where we were talking about guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. And Al Oliver, the old Oh, uh -oh. yeah, Oliver, he's going to be out there. So I got a few things for him to sign out there. So if you get a chance, it's up on uh, Remus Barracks up in that area. You can look it up. It's Orlando Gardens baseball card show. It's on Sundays and it's like eight in the morning. So about one in the afternoon. So Vince, that's cool. all the news I have right there. I know I went a bit long, but there's a lot, it was a lot to cover. Well, uh, in Cub news, there's not a whole lot to cover. Uh, not much is going on. Uh, the uh, Major League Baseball prospect rankings came out last week, and uh, uh, Max was excited about that. Text me the process, you know, it's coming out. Well, I can't wait, you know. Uh, the Cubs had three on the top 100. Brendan Davis uh, came in at 92, and he's kind of a we're not sure what we got with him now, being he's had the uh, back surgery and he's been injured. Uh, but he is already in Arizona, um, and I like to see that. Um, I do too. A couple of weeks before spring training starts, you know, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to work out. I'm going to I'm going to get in the uh, cage, um, just work on some stuff. So I remember when I was growing up, spring training, that's when you started getting in shape for the season. Now you're in shape all year round and a lot of players will start early getting in. So they're in in playing shape by the time spring training starts because these young players who are fighting for a roster spot, they really can't afford to have a slow start. So um, I like right. when the young guys come in and, you know, put in some extra work. So they're ready for spring training to start rolling. Uh, Kevin Alcantara is number 87. And of course, PCA Pete Crow Armstrong is number 28. And uh, next year, I expect him to be in the top 10. Uh, your man, Jordan Walker is number four. I know. So, um, uh, in other news, um, I just wanted to bring this up because this uh, this kind of broke today. Um, 
the double A team in Springfield, I know this is Cardinal news, but I'll bring it up anyway. The double A team in Springfield, um, the uh, at Hammonds Field, they're they're uh, the guy who built Hammonds Field and was the owner. He he passed away oh. some years ago, I think in 2013, and then it's kind of been in a trust. The uh, the stadium has been, and that trust has filed Chapter 11 because there's businesses tied into it. And so the stadium was kind of in flux. Well, uh, there was a press conference today. The city is buying the stadium, and it's it's a nice little stadium. And they're also they're also going to upgrade it because there are some standards that minor league stadiums are to have, and they're not quite hitting some of those standards. So they're and and some of the stuff you'd never notice it like security and stuff like that. So they're uh, the city is buying it for I think twelve fourteen million somewhere around there, and they're going to do the upgrade. So um, that will kind of stabilize things at that AA facility. Um, I did a uh, Kathy and I went a few years ago to a Springfield Redbirds game, and uh, uh, in the bottom of the first, uh, Nolan Gorman hit a home run, and uh, before the third out, uh, a huge storm rolled in, and we just got the heck out of there. So. Uh, but, uh, it, that's all I really have in, uh, Cubs news and rivers, which, you know, was partly Cardinal stuff. You know, we talked about Dex- Dexter Fowler and how I could, couldn't pronounce Matt Caesar. So that's all I got. <laughs> oh man. Well, we are going to, we, you know, every, every week we kind of, you know, and it, JJ will have an idea, we'll run with it, or I'll have an idea and we'll we'll limp with it. <laughs> you know, but JJ's ideas sometimes are really cool. And uh, JJ got a hold of me and said, "Hey, why don't we do uh, the all time or the, the 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 each position player for the 2010s, the best position players for the 2010s?" And I thought that was a fantastic idea. Um, so I put this together and basically I came up with a 2016 World Series championship team, but. Now I got I got a few other uh, people in there, but uh, I thought this was cool. Um, how do you want to do this? You want to just uh, start with a position and uh, move around the infield? We'll kind of trade off. I think that? that's perfect. I think that's perfect. And we probably will mention a player or two that people forgot, even though that was only not a few years ago. It, you 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 revisit some of these great players and and get to talk about them and compare them. I love doing that kind of stuff. So if you want to go ahead and start. Well, the thing about the Cubs was uh, from 2010 till 2014, we were terrible. Um, the, the word that was used was we, we we have to eradicate the structure that we have now because this is not a winning structure and build it from the ground up. And that's what a lot of teams now call tanking. Um, at that time, Tanking was used sometimes, but it, it, it is a strategy. And yeah. I don't like it. It looked at tanking as a negative thing. You know, well, you're not trying to win. Well, there are times when you need to, when you have a bad organization, you just need to reorganize. The Astros did it. We did it. The The Astros did it better than us because they sustained. We didn't. So we had to, we didn't tank again, but we've had to, rebuild a little bit we did have to do uh trade a lot of people because what people don't realize about you know last year with the cubs trading away all this talent was we had nothing coming up and these were players that we were not going to sign um 
for we were never going to sign Bryant. Just not going to happen because Boros is, is and he's going to find money somewhere else. He's going right. to find a fool like the Colorado Rockies who are going <laughs> to give him a huge contract when the guy is just not reliable as far as his health goes. Um, Rizzo had turned down a contract extension, so that wasn't going to happen. So it made sense for us to get rid of some people and not completely rebuild the whole thing, but we had to beef up the, the minor leagues. And that's what we've done. And we've, we've been very successful at that. And I think history is going to be very kind to the Cubs about how they did at this time. And won't be looked at as well. They tanked again. No, we, we got assets back uh, that we needed uh, in order to have a, a soft rebuild. But, you know, when you look at it, uh, we made the playoffs uh, all the way up until 2020. We had a bad year in 21. Last year, we had a bad half season. And now things are looking up again. So, eh, pretty good. I, I went through, and I, if it's okay before we get really started on this, I went through every year, wrote down the records and where each team landed, and it was a unique decade for both teams. The Cardinals through from 2010 to 2019 never had a losing season. Uh, at the beginning of the decade, we were still had the, uh, you know, we went to the World Series in 2011 and won the thing. In 2013, we went back and uh, we didn't win it, but the Red Sox uh, took care of us. But uh, we went to the playoffs every year from 2011, 2015. And uh, then 16, 17, 18, we didn't make the playoffs, but we had winning years. We still won 86, 83, and 88 games. So technically winning years, but we just didn't make the playoffs. And then in 2019, uh, we went and lost the NLCS, but we were 91 and 71 in 2019. Now, like you said, the Cubs, their first uh, four years, they had 71 wins, 61, 66, 60, and 73. But in 2015, things changed. And I just have to say this, and I'm giving my uh, props to the Cubs here. Th that year, the Cubs and the Pirates played in a playoff game for the wild card game. It was a one-game playoff. And I remember the Cardinal fans were talking, hey, I, I hope we play the P Cubs because they thought we had a better shot at beating the Cubs. I was like, I don't know, guys. The Cubs came on like gangbusters at the end. You know, be careful what you ask for. And I want to tell you something, Vince. When we played the Cubs, they were on such a roll that I knew – we ain't got it this year. It's the Cubs year. And this is 2015, the year before they won the World Series. But that turned the tide. You guys had about a four-year window where you just smacked us around. And we still had a good team. We just weren't nearly as good as the Cubs on those four years. And yes, I said it as a Cardinal fan. I'm being <laughs> I'm being I'm being positive. I'm being honest here. Now, in 2019, I don't have you guys making the playoffs, but you did in 15, 16, of course, 16 to win the World Series. 2019, we had a one. I, I think that's the year we had we we had a tie and we had to do a one game to get oh, into the playoffs. We had an in. extra game with Oh, I see. I think the Brewers. I, oh, okay. I think the Brewers are maybe the Rockies. We we had we had to have a one game extra game to see who would make the playoffs. So it, so it's a great memorable decade for both teams. But I broke it. You know, Vince, I love the numbers. Through the whole decade, the Cardinals versus the Cubs, the Cardinals had four more wins against the Cubs than the Cubs did against. We, we won 94, and the Cubs won 90. 
And you know, as fans, we think, oh man, the Cubs dominated or the Cardinal fans, ah, we kicked the Cubs butts. But actually it was almost dead even. We both won one World Series each. That's great for both organizations. Uh, we both made the playoffs quite a bit. That's great. I, I think it was a good time for both both teams, you know. Uh, it was. We're never, we're never quite have our great years at the same time, which is, I guess, okay. We're always bad at the same time sometimes. But we're never on all cylinders clicking at the same time, it seems like, you know. 2015 was when you guys, though, the torch got passed over to you guys and you took off with it for a while. I, I remember in 2015, uh, we lost the first game against, well, we we beat the Pirates. Uh, and then that first game against the uh, Cardinals, uh, Lester pitched and we lost. And I don't remember who started for us the third game or the second game, but I think that was the game where Jaime Garcia uh, had a meltdown. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, then when we went back to Wrigley, it was like, uh, I don't see us losing it this time. And I'm watching uh, I'm watching that last game. Uh, I think we, we won that series in four games. Was Yeah, it was a five-game series. I think we won it in four games. I'm at watching that last game at my in-laws' house, who are not companies. <laughs> so, so I I had to kind of temper my uh, enthusiasm. Uh, my uh, my wife's uh, uh, uncle was there, and he he's kind of a huge Cardinal fan, and you know, he's passed away. But you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to rub anything in his face. But boy, I I, I was really happy that for for a lot of us who were Cub fans in St. Louis. They will tell you that winning that 2015 playoff series meant just as much as when we won the World Series the next year. I understand. So. Uh, my wife, uh, she's neutral. She's Switzerland. She's neutral. And uh, she was saying, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the Cubs won the World Series? And I said, what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> You've lost your damn mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh Go ahead and start. Okay, well, I'm starting out. You know, I go around the diamond. I start out with catcher, and let's be honest, this was an easy one for me here. Yachty, yachty, yachty. <laughs> yeah, yachty played all 10 years, and actually I think this was his best years of his career. When he came up, he was a lot like Ozzie Smith. Great defensive player, but wasn't much of a hitter, and that was okay. He saved so many games with his glove. But uh, in, the, in that 10-year decade, he won seven gold gloves, eight-time All-Star, and uh, he played 1,314 games in that decade. Uh, the easiest job in Major League Baseball is being Yachty's backup, and he had 1,367 hits. He had a he hit 287 for a guy that came up and couldn't hit for that decade, and I remember you even saying this before, if there was a two-out and you had to have a hit on the Cardinals, that's the guy you want coming up was uh Yadier Molina. Uh a four point a 41.7 war. And the other catchers the Cardinals had was Tony Cruz, Matt Wieters, AJ Perinsky, and Gerald Laird. And really they didn't play much games at all because Yadi, unless he got hurt, he was out there playing. So that was an easy one. Cardinal catcher for the 2010s, Yadier Molina. Well mine's pretty easy. It is a uh, for catcher for was with the Cubs from 2016 through 2022, and now he's a Cardinal. <laughs> Wilson Contreras, 
Um, came up in 2016, hit a home run in his first major league swing. Um, he, uh, uh, when he came up in 16, he split the catching time with Ross and Montero. And, uh, then Ross, uh, retired Montero moved on and it was been Contreras's job ever since he had 117 home runs, uh, 365 RBIs, a 256 batting average for a catcher. He has an 808 OPS, which is fantastic for a catcher. And um, he has a 20.8 war uh, with the Cubs during that time. And he's made three all-star appearances. And I think, uh, I think before 2020 started or before 2021 started, I think the torch of leadership, had not officially passed from Rizzo to Contreras, but it just seemed like it was starting to become more Contreras's team. So uh, that leadership started to show. So easy, Wilson Contreras. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a Contreras fan too. Now. Well, first base, Vince, this was pretty easy too. Uh, we had a lot of first basemen in that decade. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight what I call starting first basements in that 10 year stretch. And I went through the stats over and over and over. And even though he only played two years with us, it was Albert Pujols, 2010 and 2011. Uh, I tell you what, uh, it kind of hurt our feelings when he left. I thought this was a match made in heaven that Albert was going to spend his whole career here. And they were offering him real good money, but the angels were offering him even better money. And, um, uh, I guess that talks sometimes, and he took his game out of town. But I tell you what, the Angels fans never loved him as much as the Cardinal fans. It was so nice to have him back last year. But getting back to the 2010s, uh, he played in 2010, 2011. In two seasons, he had 79 home runs. That's great. It's kind of the end of his dominant years, too. Uh, he still had about three really good years with the Angels, but then it kind of started going downhill after that. He had a 305 batting average, which is a lot lower than he did in the uh, – in the 2000s, but uh, 309, 305, I'll take that any time. And in two years, he had 217 RBIs and a 10.7 war. Um, and uh, he finished in the 2010, he finished second in the MVP. In 2011, he was fifth for the MVP. And uh, I think in that stretch, 2011, we win the World Series, and that was his final game with us until he came back last year. Uh, he had a game versus Texas where he had a three home run game in the World Series tying about two or three other guys. Uh that's pretty amazing right there. Some of the other players, I'll just go over some of these names. Everybody I know him. Lance Berkman, Alan Craig, Matt Adams played two years as a starting first baseman for the Cardinals. Uh Matt Holiday, Matt Carpenter, uh Martinez. Um we got him from Kansas City and Goldschmidt. He played in 2019 the final year of the decade, but my first baseman for that decade, Albert pool. So we got Yachty and Albert back together again. Well, my first baseman's a no brainer. He played from 2011 until 2020. And he was the bridge between our uh, restructuring of the team and uh, our, our rise to prominence in the late 2000 teens, uh, Mr. Anthony Rizzo uh -huh. and uh, Rizzo, uh, was uh, drafted by the Red Sox 
when uh, Theo was with the Red Sox. And uh, he he went to the Padres because Jed Hoyer went to the Padres and Jed wanted him there. And then when Hoyer and Theo took over the Cubs, they wanted Rizzo in the Cubs. So he he played one little stint with the Padres at first base in 2010 and had just was abysmal. So he was a really good prospect, but he wasn't projected to be the superstar, but he was the best thing we were going to have when they brought him over. And uh, boy, he exceeded expectations Uh, for the decade. He hit 242 home runs, drove in 786 runs. He hit 272 had an 861 OPS, a 29.4 war. He made three all-star games. He won four gold gloves. He won a platinum glove. And uh, he won one silver slugger. And he became the leader of our team. And uh, I remember in 2015, uh, that picture that came out in the Chicago Tribune, it was him and Bryant and uh, Starling Castro, I think, Addison Russell, um, gosh, you just all these young talent. Here, here's the Chicago Cubs. Here comes the Chicago Cubs, and all these players are under the age of 25. You know, it was like, wow, uh, kind of put in perspective, uh, the uh, talent we had coming up. But Rizzo, by that time, he was definitely, uh, became the leader of the team. And, uh, <clears throat> what kind of, what kind of, when you win a World Series in Chicago, the first one in, uh, since Jesus was walking around the earth, um, you, you're going to have some messianic uh, respect. And that's that's what we have for Rizzo. I really liked Rizzo. I just thought it was a perfect storm of all these great young players coming together. And it was a magic time. But I remember they had an ad campaign with Rizzo and Bryant. I don't know. They played some old song, maybe like uh, Courtship of Betty's Father or something. And it was them running around Chicago doing fun things together. And uh, I always thought he was a good player, but I, he just it showed his personality and he seemed like just a great guy. How can you hate the Cubs? Look, they got Frizzle. What a nice guy right there. So I, it was a lot of fun watching him play. Just didn't want to see him play us at that time. Yeah, he he was great in the community. He he really was. So yeah, good times, great memories, man. Uh, second base. Um, after looking at all the other guys we had there, it was pretty slam dunk here. Colton Wong. And I remember I had friends talking like, oh, we've got this kid from Hawaii. He's phenomenal. He was a great college player. And it was Colton Wong. And he spent five years with us. And uh, that's what I love about baseball. Five years. You know, a lot of sports, you don't see a player. And uh, like Yachty, 10 years. Albert was here for all those years. And now Colton Wong for five years. Uh, he hit 260. In his time up here, uh, a great fielder, uh, a real, a, he was fast, uh, a good base dealer. Uh, seemed like a lot of the, I hear the Cardinal fans saying, ah, he's always swinging for the fences. He's swinging for the fences. You know, who am I? But it seems like if he just worked on hitting doubles and singles, he could have done better. It seemed like he came out of shoes sometimes swinging for the fences. Um, he had, uh, 265 RBIs in those years, a war of 15.6, and he did steal 83 bases in those five years in a time where stolen bases weren't as big as they once were. Uh, he won one gold glove with us. I know he's went on since to Milwaukee, and he won a gold glove there as well. 
some of the other guys we had, they just we they didn't have as much time at second base. We had Schumacher uh played two years at second base and Del Scazzo played two years at second base. So uh Colt Wong, pretty easy pick, and uh he's gonna be a fan favorite here in St. Louis. We uh wish him well wherever he goes and plays. Very good. Uh my second baseman um is Ben Zobris. <laughs> Uh, the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, he he uh, played with the Cubs from 2016 to 2019, although he didn't play much in 2019. So he basically had three years where he played regularly with the Cubs. Um, he had 40 home runs, drove in 201 runs, uh, had a 269 batting average, 774 OPS, 6.7 war, and he, won, he went to one all-star game as a second baseman. Um, actually, in 2016, he was a Gold Glove finalist at second base, which kind of surprised me because he was more of a Swiss Army knife. Um, and I put him on this at uh, second base because he does have the most important hit in Chicago Cub baseball history. Um, the Cubs had a second baseman at the beginning of the 2010s named Darwin Barney, who went from the Cubs to the Dodgers. Barney won a gold glove, and I really liked uh, Barney as a fielder. I don't think uh, until Nico Horner started playing second base when he first came up, we didn't have a second baseman who could feel like field like Darwin Barney uh, until uh, Nico came in. So uh, Darwin Barney is absolutely the only other guy I could even mention, and he didn't have much of an offensive game. So Zobris, you're my second baseman for the 2010s. I like him. Always did. But shortstop. I know uh, a lot of people were like, who's going to put shortstop there? We didn't have a, a dominant shortstop in that decade. But uh, Paul DeYoung, Paul DeYoung, who's still with the Cardinals to this day, who had a very good rookie campaign, and it seems like every year he just kind of slips a little further, a little further. And we still have him under contract for one more year. But DeYoung was a very good player when he first came up. And the thing about him is he was a slick field. He was a nice, uh, good fielder. But man, he had power. And a, a guy at shortstop that's got that kind of power, you don't see that often. Uh, he played 2017 to 2019 in that decade with us. Had 74 home runs. That's pretty good for a shortstop. Uh, 213 RBIs and 11 stolen bases. He hit 248. And I'm telling you what, I'd love for him to hit 248 now. We'll see. He's working. He's working on a swing down there. But in that decade, he did. And he, but he had 82 doubles. And I think that's really, if he just slow everything down, I know he has a high leg kick. They've been showing his new batting stance, and he's working with all the new hitting coaches. I, I'm really pulling for him because we could really, it'd be great if he could find himself. And players have done that before. Changed a few things around, and here they come. But here's some of the other shortstops we had in that decade. And uh, we had uh, Brendan Ryan. Uh, Ryan Therrett, the uh, Cub. Ryan Terrio. Yeah, Terrio, that's his name. Uh, he was there. Uh, Frucal, Peralta played two years starting shortstop for us. Uh, Diaz and Pete Cosma. So we didn't have, we only had a, 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 you know, a guy who might play one and a couple that played two. So just by default, gosh, that's sad to say, but Paul DeYoung's our shortstop of that decade. Well, my shortstop has the distinction of being the only player on my list who did not play for the 2016 Cubs. And he's kind of become a forgotten man because he was the man on some of those lean, lean years. And that's Starlin Castro. He played from 2010 to 2015. People forget how good Starlin Castro was when he started his career. 
Um, in his time with the Cubs, he had 62 home runs, drove in 363 uh, runs. He had a 281 batting average, 725 OPS, a 13.9 war. And he made three all-star games. And um, he got to, I think, 500 hits, I, like one of the fastest in Major League Baseball history. Um, he was on that 2015 club that went to the uh, National League Championship Series and lost to the Mets. But by then he was moved over to second base. And uh, then we had uh, um, Addison Russell playing shortstop. Addison Russell, sad story, had all the ability in the world. Um, he he was just a very slick fielder, uh, gold, gold glove caliber type fielder. Um, he started off hitting well with the Cubs. Um, and then he had that incident where his wife outed him for spousal abuse and he was... Uh, uh, banned from baseball for about a year and then the Cubs didn't know what to do with him they 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 decided they would it would be best if they gave him a shot with the Cubs to see how contrite he was and it just didn't work out last I know he batted like 200 in the Korean Baseball League just just sad uh state of affairs because uh he was uh at one time one of the top three prospects in Major League Baseball and when we acquired him from the A's um, and he came up, he was, yeah, we looked like we had a stud and that didn't happen. Uh, but you go back to Starlin Castro, a lot of people thought he was a little too whimsical, um, didn't have that killer instinct. But um, I always enjoyed Starlin. He he enjoyed going to Starlin, not Starling, Starlin. He enjoyed going to the ballpark and he just seemed like a, a fun guy to have on the team. And all the all his teammates loved him. And he went to the Marlins. Uh, I think this was uh, the next year, 2016. And there was a bench clearing brawl from the Cubs against the Marlins. And so Bryant goes out there and starts tickling Castro, you know, because they're buddies. It was just kind of cute. So Starling Castro, the only member uh, of my list who did not play for the 2016 team, but. Still loved him. Great hearing that name again. Yeah, I remember him. Well, my third baseman, and this is going to be a little controversy here. There's two guys that are kind of in competition, I think, the two main third basemen. And a lot of people are going to say David Freeze, and he is a fan favorite. He's a local guy here, all that. But my third baseman, this is my list. I'm going with Matt Carpenter. Now, Matt Carpenter was sort of like our Zobrist and – Zobris was probably better in a lot of different ways, but I love Matt Carpenter and Matt Carpenter played six years. So he played more years than freeze did with us in that decade. Um, he played three positions. And one of the things I like about him was, uh, and he made an all-star team. One of the things I liked about him is he did whatever the Cardinals asked, you know, sometimes he had to be the first baseman that year. We didn't have anybody, you know, he was the best guy for that position. He played third base in his younger years. He had a better throwing arm. And he made himself out of the blue. They made him the second baseman and he became a very good serviceable second baseman in the major leagues. And I really liked him. Uh, the deciding factor for me is he leads the Cardinals uh, in a season. In one season, he had the most doubles of any Cardinal in the history of the San Luis Cardinals. He beat 
uh, Stan Musial's record, and I believe it was 52 doubles he hit in one season. So Matt Carpenter, that to me right there, you put your name in any category with Stan, you're 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 elevated. He hit 148 home runs in that decade, uh, 531 RBIs. He had over a thousand hits, and he had two. It looks like 200. There's no way that's right, but he had a lot of doubles. He had a lot of doubles. So I'm putting Matt Carpenter just because he would do anything the Cardinals. Uh, and a lot of people just remember his last couple of years with the Cardinals where he was hitting into the shift. Um, he he was a guy that would come up and take six to 10 pitches on a bat. It always seems like it was one ball, two strikes. And when you turned around, it was three and two, and he fouled a bunch of balls off. And uh, he did so many things very well. I think he's a great guy from Texas. And uh, I will say this. my other One of the jobs I have is I work – uh, at a home for uh, disabled folks. I don't know what the right word is these days, but uh, uh, he came out, there was no photographers. He just came out to say hi to everybody and he signed autographs. He was so nice. And a lot of people don't know that about Matt Carpenter. A lot of people, if they were going somewhere, they'd probably take a photographer and say, hey, look what I did. And Matt just did a lot of good things in the community while he was with us in St. Louis. So that's my third baseman. Cool. My third baseman is obvious. It's Chris Bryant. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame because uh, Bryant is never going to be the player that he was going to be because he's just had so many nagging injuries. And since he injured his shoulder in 2017, he's never had the same power numbers. Um, he used to hit some very long uh Majestic home runs. He doesn't do that much anymore, and it's a shoulder issue. Um, his time with the Cubs, um, which was uh, from 2015 until 2020, he had 160 home runs, drove in 465 uh, runs, and he was injured a lot. He had a 279 batting average and 886 OPS, 28.2 WAR. Um, he was draft we drafted him in 2013 number two in the draft we uh if if houston would have taken bryant we were going to take mark apple houston drafted mark apple we took bryant for houston uh i i don't think they're worried about it anymore but 2014 or yeah 2013 Bryant won the Golden Spikes Award for the top college player. 2014, he won the Minor League uh, Player of the Year for the Minor Leagues. 2015, he came up, he won the Rookie of the Year. 2016, he won the MVP. No player has ever done that. Won the highest award for college, Minor League Ball, uh, Rookie of the Year, and MVP in four years of baseball. That's that's how good he was. Um, like I said, 2015 Rookie of the Year, 2016 MVP, four-time All-Star. Um, Bryant was a decent fielding third baseman. I, he wasn't going to hurt you. He wasn't necessarily going to help you with spectacular plays. He was a very solid defender at third. That, when he came up, it was like, well, is he going to remain a third baseman? He's six foot five, you know. Is he For someone as big as him, he got pretty close to the ground. Um, I was impressed with his athleticism at third. We also played him a lot in left field. We played him in right field. We also played him in center field. We played him in center field as, as a rookie whenever he hadn't played center field before, and he didn't embarrass himself. So he kind of had that Swiss Army knife vibe to him when, when Madden was the manager and Madden liked what he had to offer. 
And uh, I, of course, he, he's always going to be uh, special in my heart for uh, making that last play of the World Series when he slipped on the wet turf. And I thought that ball was going to go into the stands. And instead, it went right to Rizzo's face. I mean, if Rizzo didn't have his glove up, he's going to catch it with his mouth. So, <laughs> so uh, there we are, uh, uh, rounding out the infield for the Cubs. I got Rizzo, Zobris, Castro, uh, Bryant, and my catcher is Contreras. Oh, man. Let's <laughs> let's hit the outfield. Now, all right, the outfield. My left fielder is Matt Holliday. I remember when we got him, he was a superstar with the Rockies. He had been – his contract ended, and he went out to Oakland, and I think Oakland picked him up. So if he had a good year, they could get something for him at the trading deadline, and that's exactly what happened. Matt Holliday comes over, and he plays seven years in that decade for us, but six of them were in left field. He had four all-star appearances, one silver slugger, and uh, he hit 143 uh, home runs for us there. Uh, Matt, Matt, I would say I liked him at the plate. He was a great big guy. Uh, just real, uh, he wasn't a rah-rah guy. He just sort of like Goldschmidt. He was just kind of an intense individual and went out and gave you his absolutely best. Um I kind of remember when we had him, I remember going to a few games and there was times he, if he struck out, he got a few boos and I thought, what the heck? This guy's a great player. I just think he came after Pujols and there was, he, he was not going to be Pujols. I think that was some of the problem. But if you look at his stats over that time, it was very good. He was a, a good player for us. He lived up to his contract and he gave us his all. And there's a little side note there. He was one of the guys He's good friends with Aaron Nolan Arenado and talked up St. Louis about, hey, you ought to go out to St. Louis. I think he'd love playing there. It's a big crowd, and they're really into their baseball. So uh, that's a little bonus point there for Matt Holiday. And he had, over those seven years, he had a 287 batting average. That's pretty good, you know? So my left fielder, Matt Holiday. Two things about Holiday. Number one, my late father in law hated him, and I never oh. could understand why. Every time he'd watch a Cardinal game, you know, oh, Holiday. <laughs> I mean, Holiday was kind of a butcher in left field. And I do remember the uh, playoff game, I think, in 2009, his first year with the Cardinals, when he decided he was going to try to catch a fly ball with his testicles. Didn't work. Oh, I was paying for watching that. Oh, yeah. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's just like, that ball's hitting him in the nuts. Oh, my gosh. It's like he was trying to get hit in the nuts. He took one for the team. <laughs> I know oh. his wife wasn't happy. Hey, hey, hey. No. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, my left fielder is Kyle Schwarber, played with us from 2015 to 2020. Uh, Kyle had a weird career with the Cubs. Um, he had 121 home runs. And, uh, when you hit 121 home runs, you, you think, yeah, probably about three, 320 RBIs. He only drove in 271, 279 runs. Um, he had a 794 um, OPS, 6.4 war. He made one all-star as a Cub. Uh, Kyle had a great rookie year. And uh, then his second year, um, he got injured the first series of the season and tore his ACL up. And we didn't see him again until the World Series when he came back, became a World Series hero. So then we're thinking, okay, great. 2017 is going to do great. We had to send him down to AAA. Um, we tried him a leadoff. For some reason, even in the years, I think there was one or two years when he hit over 30 home runs with the Cubs, 
he just it it didn't seem to click for some reason. Um, we didn't know what to do with him. Um, you know, there was always, well, we can hold on to him until the DH comes in and then he'll be a DH. Um, we, you know, a lot of people, why, why do the Phillies bat him lead off? Why did the Cubs bat him lead off? He sees a lot of pitches. He does have a great eye. He will strike out a lot, but man, he will make the pitcher work right out of the bat. Um, I, he, he was not a good left fielder. In fact, he was terrible in 2015, in 2015, in the, uh, championship series, he, he, he was a butcher in left field and the Mets took advantage of that. And, um, that kind of followed him. He made himself into a decent left fielder, a serviceable left fielder, but he never let anybody take an extra base because he had a gun because he was a former catcher. So he made up for some of his shortcomings as a fielder in left field by having the gun. Um, you know, he's, of course, he's a DH now, but he wasn't with the Cubs. He was, you know, our left fielder. And, uh, you know, looking back at, we just had a revolving door of left fielders before him. And he's easily, uh, the left fielder of the decade for the 2010s. Kyle Schwarber, I'll be honest with you. I had a little envy of Kyle Schwarber. I liked him. Uh, he was the one guy when he was going to go free agent. I really wish the Cardinals would have got him. He always just looked like he could roll out of bed with a bat and get a hit. That guy could hit. And I was like, man, we, I'd love to have him. Maybe we could, you know, hide him at first base or, or the DH. You know, like you said, he looks like he'd be the perfect DH. And like, and he yeah. got better better in the field. But Kyle Schwarber's a guy I always thought, man, I wish we could get a guy like that out there. Because that guy could hit. And you can win with a guy. And now... I tell you what, when he hits, when he does get a hold of one, it's a line shot somewhere. You oh, yeah. you better bring Monster. your glove. Yeah. Yes. My gosh. Well, my center fielder, <laughs> my center fielder, again, it was kind of lean pickings. We had a lot of guys kind of coming through, but mine is Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham played five years. And don't you, <laughs> you follow the rules in fantasy baseball with Tommy Pham, or there's going to be trouble. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Van will do some beating. Wasn't, uh, wasn't, that, wasn't that fantasy football that the fight was over, though? Yeah, and it was Mike Trout was the uh, commissioner, and he got into it with, I can't think of who he was slapping around, but he got in trouble for that. He walked out in the Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson. Was he a yeah. Cub? At one, was he a Cubby at one time? Yeah, he was a Cub that year, but we had traded him to the Braves by the time Van got hold of him. <laughs> it didn't matter where Peterson was. He was going to find him. And I tell you what, Fam was a workout fanatic. One of the problems with him, if fans remember, he got hurt all the time. He'd run into walls. He played a wild outfield, uh, giving you his all. He was a super athlete. He was fast. He could throw. He could run. He could do it all. But in the time with us, he played five seasons, and he hit 271 with 39 uh, stolen bases. He was a good fielder. But in center field, we just had a kind of had a revolving door in that time. We had uh, a kid named Kobe Rasmus that we thought was going to be really good, but his dad was his hitting coach. I don't know what the yeah. heck happened. I think there were some problems between Larusa and the dad or something. I'm not sure what all happened there. We had John Jay, who I like. John Jay he was a good Cardinal. Uh, Borges that we got from the Angels. Uh, Fowler and Bader were all played some center field in those times, but my outfielder was Tommy Pham. Um, he 
he'd chew out some of the veterans. I think he was only in the league a couple of years. He was chewing out people in the locker room, you know? That's kind of unheard of a young player getting onto the older players. But uh, anyway, he, yeah. he had five, year, five years here, and uh, and I really liked him. I thought, But he just got hurt all the time. That was a one thing on him that uh, was rough. Yeah, Pham's an interesting character. He, he, he had that eye issue um, yes. that took him a few years to – so he got his major league start kind of later. So he's he never hit the free agency market during his prime years, which has cost him a lot of money. Um, he grew up in a rough area and he was stabbed at one time growing up. And um generally this is this, you know, you talk about the cardinal way. The cardinal way is very business-like. You you don't talk about business outside the walls. Fam did. Uh there's a Sports Illustrated article when he was with the Cardinals, and yeah, he 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 kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit, and yeah, yeah and uh, Mosaic, you know how Mosaic is. Well, you know he speaks his mind, uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but in the back of his head, he gone, he's gone, <laughs> and he was, and he yeah. was, yeah. But yeah, I, I like Tommy Fan. I Phantom do too. Well, well, my center field that we've already talked about for the uh, decade it was. Uh, of Dexter Fowler played first for the 2000, uh, 2015-2016 season. He had 30 home runs, drove in 94, 261 average, 794 OPS, which is really good for a leadoff hitter, 6.4 war in his two years, and he made one all-star uh, game. As I said earlier, um, Matt used to tell him before every game, as you go, we go. He was the spark plug of that team. After Fowler left, we have had a revolving door of people we have tried leading off. We've tried leading off Rizzo. We tried leading off Bryant, Schwarber, um, Zobris. We tried leading off. We have not found that leadoff hitter since then. Going into the season, um, yeah, I, I don't know who's going to hit leadoff. I, my best guess right now is Suzuki. Uh, he's kind of profiles as our best leadoff hitter, but. Very we hitter. really have been searching for a leadoff hitter, a table setter since Dexter Fowler, and we haven't found one. Um, and, you know, of course, Dexter started off game seven with, of the World Series with a home run and set us off on the right place. Very good. Well, my right fielder, a lot of people won't remember him, or they might just remember the end of his career. But I uh, looked, and in right field, I'm putting Alan Craig. And Alan Craig was a guy, when he came up, I thought, you know, he might, you know, you never know when you have a group of young players who's going to be the standout player. But Alan Craig looked like he was just ahead of the other young players, like the Matt Carpenter. Looked like he was a better hitter than Matt at the time. Uh, he had a five-year career, and he had an injury, and he never was quite the same. He only had a six-year career. He played five with the Cardinals and one with the Red Sox. Uh, he was one-time All-Star. He was a hero in that 2011 World Series. He hit 291. That's a nice career batting average. Um 57 home runs and 296 RBIs. And I know in that uh, Ranger uh, Cardinal World Series in 2011, he came up with some big hits. Uh, that was a team effort right there. I know everyone remembers the David Freeze big hits, but Lance Berkman had a two-strike or two-out hit that kept the game going. Alan Craig had a big hit. I'll always remember him. And if it hadn't been from injuries, you know, I think he would have had a really nice long career. He had a short career, though. I'd easily take his career if I got to be a major leaguer. I think it was in 2013 
uh, he had a ton of RBIs, and he hit like 380 with runners in scoring position, something ridiculous. He had a year where it went right. It was, Everything went it was right. Unreal how he hit with runners in scoring position. He had a ton of RBIs, and then you know had the injury, and that was it. Well, my right fielder is the much maligned uh, Jason Hayward, um, who played from 2016-22 with the Cubs. In his time with the Cubs, he had 62 home runs, drove in 289 uh, runs, 245 batting average, 700 OPS, uh, a lot less than what we thought we were going to get with him, 8.9 war. Um the only thing that he really that really shined during his time was he did win two gold gloves with us and he gave one hell of a speech. That's enough. That's um, enough. When you look at what else we had in Rifle in the 2000s, e, 2010s, yeah, there, there wasn't <laughs> much there. So he kind of won it by default with the speech. So I uh I've been to spring training about three times and we usually stay around Orlando and the Braves train in Orlando. And when he came up, he was the big prospect. And if you went out to their stadium, it's actually on the Disney complex. Yeah. They had banners of Hayward and two or three other players, but he was the guy that was going to be the, the next wave of brave players. And when we got him, I couldn't believe it. And he was okay. Uh, uh, I, you know, there was glimpses of like, he'd get on a hot streak and carry us. And, uh, but, uh, you know, as Cardinal fan, I will say this. When he went to Chicago, usually a player will say, you know, hey, I wish, you know, it's been great being here. I love everything. But he was like, basically, to sum it up, he said, the Cardinals ain't going nowhere and I'm going to go where I'm going to win. Well, it's sad. It hurt. But it was true. We weren't going anywhere. And the Cubs looked like they were just on top of the world. He might have been that missing piece or something like that. I think Hayward's big problem when he first came up about 2009, 2010, somewhere around there, pitchers still weren't throwing as hard as they eventually did uh, by 2015, 16, 17. Um, you didn't have guys coming out of the bullpen, you know, in the fifth inning throwing 96 miles an hour like you do today. And Hayward always had a big, long swing. And I think as, as velocity went up, his swing was just too long to get to those balls, you know, when they're coming in at 92, 93, you can get to them when they're a little harder. He had a hard time getting, oh, getting, so he would rush his swing, which meant he rolled over a lot of balls. So many times he just dribbled out to the second baseman, um, balls that maybe he could have went to left field with, but he was just trying to make contact. And then as he got older, it just got even more pronounced because he didn't have the reflexes that he had as a younger guy. Um, you know, people wonder what happened to Jason Hayward. I think a lot of it was just that he had a skill set that fit when he first came up, but then his pitching velocity increased because he didn't have a compact swing. It was a long swing. He suffered offensively. He never took it to the field, though. He never took a bad day to the field. He was always out there playing his heart out and right fit. He, nobody could, nobody ever said he didn't play hard. The man, um, he, he, you know, a lot of times a guy has a bad day at the plate. They'll maybe loaf after a ball or something like that. Not Jason. And he was he was going to go after everything. Great arm, too. Yeah. A, a really good arm. Um, what was I going to say? You're right about 2015. It seemed like that was a change. I'm glad you said something because that was the formula the Royals used. They had three or four strong arms in the bullpen. And that was when it went to about a five or six game for the starter innings. 
and then you bring those bullpen in and shut the door on people. And those they had guys that could throw in the high 90s. And then it seems like the whole game changed after that, where the the starters are only going two times through the lineup now, and then you get the bullpen in. You're right. Yeah. I, I, you're right. It was about 2015 when that happened. Very good. Look at Vince, man. He's all over the place on this. Well, <laughs> I got three starters. I hope that's okay. I don't. I, I put three starters down as the starters for our decade, and the first one's easy. He played the whole decade with us. I think he's one of the five greatest Cardinal pitchers ever. Um, Adam Wainwright. Adam, we got him the, Yeah, he's this big, tall guy. Sings country music. You probably know him as a country music artist. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Um, all 10 years. What a guy. It's been a treat. We get to say goodbye to him this year. Uh, man, I hope I hope when we go to London and play the Cubs, I hope Wayne Rice gets to start one of those two games. That'd be nice. Um, he was a very good hitter. He won a silver slugger. Now that we have the DH, I guess you only see him if it gets the extra innings get way out of hand and we've run out of batters. The pitchers might hit, but he, he was a very good hitter. He was a three-time All-Star in that decade, a two-time Golden Glove uh, pitcher, and he won one Silver Slugger. And in that decade, he won 116 games and lost 72. Adam lost about two and a half seasons of his career to injuries. And I love Adam, and uh, hopefully this year he's got a chance to pack. He, in all the top 10 categories, Adam's in those top 10 categories. Every starting category, innings pitched, you know, everything. not complete games. That's the only one. But every category he's in there, strikeouts, he's number two in Cardinal history. Um, this year he has a chance to move into second place. He's going to need, I believe, 16 wins, and I don't know if he's got that in him this, anymore, but – um, if he hadn't lost those two and a half years, we always can play that game. If this hadn't happened, if this hadn't happened, well, the reality yeah. of it, he lost two and a half seasons or he might be looking at a shot at the hall of fame, but I just think he'll be a, a, a Cardinal hall of famer and the Cardinal, uh, little hall of fame across the street where he wears the red jacket. Definitely one of those guys. Um, absolutely love him. He's a gamer. I still, my greatest memory of him is striking out Carlos Beltran, and the NLCS on that curveball with bases loaded. And there was a little rain falling. And uh, I just, he, it was the curveball from, from heaven. It just was up there and then slid down and went right in there. And so that's one of my greatest memories of uh, of Adam right there. So he's my first starter, Adam Wainwright. Or if you're Carlos Beltran, it was the curveball from hell. <laughs> yes, probably. My first starting pitcher, of course, is John Lester, 2015 to 2020, and just his mere signing changed the culture that showed uh, the fans and the baseball world that we were absolutely serious uh, about challenging for um, a pennant in a World Series. In his time with the Cubs, he was 77 and 44. He had a 3.64 ERA. He had 940 strikeouts. He had a 4.2 WAR. He made two All Star games. Um, and all that, um, and he still could not uh, throw to first base. Um, he had the yips <laughs> to throw to first base, but he did pick off Tommy Pham. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'll never Pham's lead was somewhere near Skokie <laughs> that day. But anyway, uh, um, John was a a he came came to the Cubs. He was at the tail end of him being more or less a power pitcher. But 
as, as his velocity went down, he still maintained that mentality of a power pitcher, just a little more finesse, a little more use of the uh, changeup and the curveball, and he was still very effective. Uh, twice he finished in the top five in Cy Young Award voting for the Cubs, and uh, he was uh, – and in 2015, when he signed with the Cubs, Sports Illustrated had a picture of him on the cover called the Lester Factor. And since I, I don't remember the exact numbers, suddenly now the Cubs, when you crunch the numbers, are a serious contender. And everybody said, yeah, what we do? We won 100 games that year, we went to the National League Championship Series. So John Lester was the fulcrum of that turnaround for the Cubs. It was fun watching him. He was a, he was a, a gamer. I, I remember him. If the umpire didn't call a strike, he thought he should have got. He kind of got on the umpire a little bit. He could, oh yeah, he, he could push it to the line right before he could get ejected. He knew when to how much he could push it. Yeah, I liked him. He played. We got to have him here in St. Louis for one season, and it was, it was just a joy watching him pitch. Well, my second pitcher is uh, Lance Lynn, and Lance Lynn played seven years for the Cardinals in that decade, and he had a fourteen point six WAR. Now, what I like about Lance is he was a, a he ate up innings. He'd go out there, and you had to drag the ball out of his hand to get him off the mound. In those uh, seven years, five of the years, he threw 175 or more innings in those five years, and that's outstanding. Um, he had 30-plus starts in four of those seven years, so he just always showed up, and you could count on him. He had a uh, uh, 605 winning percentage when he pitched the Cardinals won. And over those years, he was 72 and 47, and his ERA was a 338. And I always liked Lance Lynn. I wished he had stayed. Uh, he got a little more money. I guess the Cardinals and him couldn't – that happens a lot with the Cardinals. We just don't agree on how much they think they're worth and we think they're worth, and they end up leaving. And Lance left, and he's had a nice career in other places as well. But I always have good memories of Lance Lynn. Yeah, and Lance Lynn basically throws a fastball. That's about it. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. My second pitcher uh, was actually born in Farmington, Missouri. Uh, Mr. Jake Arietta. Right. Pitched for the Cubs from 2013 to 2017, and then he came back for a short, forgettable stint in 2021. In his Cub career, he was 73 and 42. He had a 3.14 ERA, 867 strikeouts, 10.7 war. He went off Cy Young. He was an all-star once. And he also won a silver slugger. Yay! So um, <laughs> one of the rare pitchers, uh, one of those deals that you're not going to see more pitcher winning silver sluggers because they don't hit anymore. Um, Arietta, we got him for the Orioles. Um, That's right. We, they, uh, I think we traded Jason Hamp. Was that Jason Hamill? Um, and the backup catcher Clevenger. I think that's who. But anyway, uh the trade was actually for Pedro Strope. And we said, well, throw in that Arietta guy that sucks for you too, because um, the Cubs liked what they saw in Arietta, but he, he, the Orioles had just kind of screwed him up. And the Cubs said, hey, just pitch how you do. Um, people remember him for that great 2015 season, but for Cub fans, the second half of 2014, he was just as lights out. And I remember sending my dad a text um, sometime in August of 2014, said, this is now must-see TV when he pitches because he was just shutting them down. So when he broke out in 2015 for the whole season, it wasn't that big of a surprise I mean, the way he did it, you know, that having stupid Bob Gibson-like numbers, you know, was ridiculous. But we could see that this guy had talent and he could be a stud and that if he stays healthy, he could be a, 
uh, one of our best pitchers and certainly did turn into that. So Jake Arietta, thank you for the memories. Well, my third pitcher, um, he came out like a whirlwind at the beginning, but Michael Walker, Michael Walker, I look back and he pitched seven years with us, which I did not know he did. He came up through our system. So did Lynn and so and Wainwright we got from the Braves, but he came up through our system. He had one all-star game and I'll never forget. It was 2013. We, we kind of, he tried to put the Cardinals on his shoulders and carry us through it. He almost got us there, almost got us to the promised land, but the Red Sox were just, uh, sometimes teams are just meant to be, I think that's, uh, they were just, they just were too good that year. But Michael Walker, when he pitched, uh, it was something special in 2013. Had a nice career with us. He was 59 and 39. He, he threw 867.2 innings and had an ERA of 3.96. Now, there in the last few years, he wasn't quite, he, as like I said, the first couple of years, we thought he was going to be the heir apparent to Adam Wainwright. They were both tall. They looked similar. And a very nice guy, just like Adam. Uh, it's just um, his best days. And then he kind of became a, just a good pitcher. He was a great pitcher, went slid down to just a good pitcher. And uh, he left the team. Uh, he seems like he's found himself again. He had a really good uh, year last year. And I know he's still out there. Um, sometimes people come back to St. Louis. I'd like to see Michael. You can't have enough pitching. I don't know if he fit right now. It seems like we got six starters and some other guys that can fill in too. But uh, I'd always like to see Michael Walker come back. So that's my my number three right there. Yeah, as I said uh, last month, uh, we were looking at free agents for the Cubs. Uh, I I really would like to see Walker uh, in uh, Arizona come two weeks <laughs> down the road. I um, think he'd make you guys a lot better. I think he'd be an upgrade. I really do. Uh, my third pitcher, uh, pitched from 2014 to the present time, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, his cup query is 87 and 61 at 3.46 ERA, uh, 1,079 strikeouts at 22.8 war. He has accumulated in his career, and a lot of people forget this. In 2016, he did win the ERA title for the National League. Um, Hendricks is a throwback pitcher. Um, when I was growing up, you probably remember this term. Uh, they would use it for like Tommy John and, and uh, oh gosh, uh, Frank Tanana later in his career, you know, they would call them junk ballers. Okay, they don't yeah. throw hard, um, but they, you know, they throw a lot of change-ups and curves and they move the ball around. And it, it that's what Hendricks reminds me of is a junk baller. He doesn't we can't, throw. We can't beat junk ball pitchers. The Cardinals no. cannot beat them. They beat the crap out of us. But you don't see them anymore. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the Bud things. Bud Norris. Bud Norris used to beat the snot out of the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, when you look at the uh, strikeout records of people like Randy Jones, uh, people in the 70s, man, they pitched 250 innings and strike out less than 100 people. And these were top-of-the-line pitchers. Hendricks is like that. Now, in today's day and age where people swing at everything, he, he you know, Right. Take, take his numbers back to the 70s. He's a strikeout pitcher, but, you know, that's not what he is um, in today's game. But uh, Hendricks is a graduate of, uh, I think it's Dartmouth. Uh, he is a, uh, his nickname is the professor. He's a very intelligent, heady guy. 
And uh, it took Madden a few years to get used to him because Hendrix, when he leaves the mound, he's looking down and it looks like he's pouting. And Madden thought that he was pouting and then Madden realized, no, that's that's his intensity. That's the way he looks. And uh, it kind of reminded me of in the uh, mid 80s, uh, Oral Hershiser always looked like he was just... I'd rather be doing something else. I'm not a major <laughs> league pitcher. You know, I just looked intimidated and, and uh, Lasorda gave him the nickname bulldog because in his heart, he was a bulldog. It just didn't look like that in the exterior from his physical presence. And that's kind of like Hendricks. He, he doesn't look like he's as intense as he is, but he is very intense. So that's my number three starter for the decade of the 2010s. All right. Well, now I have just one guy left, my ace, my bullpen. My bullpen guy, and I looked through there, and the Cardinals had a lot of guys that were just there temporary uh, for a, a year or two, or just came in for part of a year. Carlos Martinez, who was a starter, uh, closed in some of that decade. But the guy that kind of stood out that really did it for six years was uh, Trevor Rosenthal. And Trevor's a guy you don't really hear his name anymore, but he put six seasons. It was a one-time All Star. Now, his win-loss record, of course, you're in the bullpen. He was 11-24 and 24 because if you don't have a good outing, you usually take the loss right there. He had a 2.99 ERA, and he had 121 saves. And I think he's like fifth all-time in Cardinal saves. And we have a lot of uh, great relievers. The Cardinals went through a lot of great relievers. I mean, we had Lee Smith and Bruce Suter and Albert Bowski and Jason Isringhausen and Trevor Rosenthal is like five or six on the list. Um he threw 325 innings, had 435 uh, strikeouts, and over 40 saves two different times in those six years. And uh, anyway, so yeah, it's fifth in Cardinal history in saves. So uh, Trevor Rosenthal, that's a name uh, you don't usually hear people say anymore, but he really had some good years there. And uh, the Kansas City Royals took a chance on him. I'm just going to just try to bring his history back around. He just a couple of years ago, he had a really good season. The Padres needed a reliever. They traded him there and they got an outfielder and a reliever of this kid, Dylan Coleman, who actually is from the town I'm in, Potosi. And now he's up in the bullpen up there. So, you know, uh, think about history. It's kind of weird. You never know who's going to get traded for who and that kind of thing. But uh, I know he up to two years ago, he was still pitching in the big leagues. So Trevor Rosenthal, my my reliever. Well, this was this was the one that I had the most problems with because we've had some great relievers. We had Wade Davis for a few years, who was really good for oh, us. Yeah. We had uh, we had Chapman down the stretch, uh, who was really good for us. Oh yeah, uh, we had Hector Rondon who closed for us, who, who was who was really good. Um, it, but there was one person, and if you're a Cub fan, you will you will you will get this. Um, but people who are not Cub fans are going to say, what are you talking about? Our best reliever in the 2010s was Pedro Strope. He, I he, remember the name. He would close if he had to, um, but he was mostly a setup guy. Um, he was 22 and 24 in his time with the Cubs, and that was uh, we got him in 2014 in the area at a trade, and he pitched uh, through 2019. He had a 2.88 ERA. He did accumulate 29 saves, but he was more or less a setup guy. But he was a rock. He would come in. His his hat was always cockeyed. And, lefty uh, or lefty? 
No, no, it's Brady. Because oh, usually and, lefties. And he would he he would come in and he would challenge people and uh, he played hard. He pitched his heart out, and his teammates loved him. And uh, he was the usually you think the the leader, the bedrock of your bullpen is going to be the closer. No, in his time with the Cubs, Cub fans and Cub players alike, Cub personnel alike, you know, the bedrock of our bullpen in the 2010s was actually Pedro Strope who was fantastic in the role, probably one of the best setup men in the history of Major League Baseball, just that good. Very good. I see, I forgot him. I'm glad we did this. See, there's a couple of names there I hadn't heard in a long time. Well, I'm glad we did this too. We had to do something. In, in a couple <laughs> of weeks, we can actually start talking about... Oh, yes. Our mistress is back. So, so I, I'm I'm really excited about that uh, about the season starting. It's 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 been a long off season as it always is, but yes. I want to tell you, JJ, being able to do this show on a weekly basis has made things go a lot faster. The Wednesdays keep coming by a little quicker. Each, yeah, it seems like each week. Yeah, they they certainly do. So, but anyway. Um, Next week, we are going to have a guest. Uh, Mr. Jeffrey Phipps is going to be here. And he uh, did some reporting during the 1998 season when we had the home run chase. And he's going to kind of give his thoughts on what it was like to to be doing uh, reporting uh, during that time, which which is kind of cool. And uh, then uh, we're, we're also going to be uh, looking at the beginnings of people trickling in from spring training. I've already called out one person who is in the Cubs complex already, Brennan Davis, ready to go. He's going to try to make a roster spot. He's going to try to hit 15 home runs and 350 at bats and be a contributor. I'm, <laughs> I'm just excited. So I understand. So JJ, you have any, Oh gosh, how can we forget Vince, I actually left my cards on the end table in there. Can I run and go get them real quick? Yes. Or I... All right. Is that okay? All right. I'll be right back. Let me tell you what I really feel about JJ. <laughs> I can't keep his cards with him. All right. And that's I why back. I think JJ is the best person in the world. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> JJ, I am opening up 1988 Tops. Ooh, 1988. That'll be fun. And I can who... feel the bubble gum in there. Oh, I have nine... 2019. Like I said, I, whole... I bought a whole box of these things. So I have about seven packs in there. And, of course, it's got the uh, 2019. It's got... Um, uh, Babe Ruth on there and Aaron Judge. Very nice. Uh, mine right. has a, a baseball. That's the old baseball. Anybody want a piece of gum? Hey. If I'll you're pass. an enemy of mine, I will give you this piece of gum. <laughs> I'll go ahead and get started. All right. Uh, my first player, uh, pitch for the Braves, Charlie Puleo. I barely remember him. I don't remember him. 
don't remember him. Oh, I read this guy's book. Uh, very colorful character. Uh, finished his uh, managing career with the Mariners. Uh, Mr. Dick Williams, who uh, won a World Series uh, with Oakland. the A's, yeah, uh, yeah. also managed the Red Sox in the 67 World Series, uh, managed the Expos, managed the Padres to the playoffs. Um, in his book, he tells a story at the winter meetings how they were eating at a place and there was like this big fish tank and he and Whitey Herzog and someone else stripped down to their underwear and got to the fish tank. <laughs> I never heard that story. Oh, uh, man. Read, read the Dick Williams book. It's about right. 30 years old, but yeah, he, he was old school. Uh, <laughs> wonderful first name, wonderful speed, Vince Coleman. <sighs> I seen him leg out a grounder to second, a regular grounder to second. The guy came in, filled it, threw over there, and he like he beat it out at first. I never seen that before. Ichiro, I think I seen do that. Then two guys are the only two I ever seen beat out a normal ground ball to second base. Wow, he can motor. He could. Uh, former catcher for the Mets, Marty Lyons. Hmm. Ah, this guy had a pretty good career. Was once an All Star with the Twins and finished with the Yankees. Roy Smalley, late oh, shortstop. Yes. Very good. A very dependable bat, usually a fourth outfielder for your teams, Mr. Gary Ward. Mm-hmm. Gary Ward, I remember that name. Uh, first baseman, DH for the White Sox, uh, had some decent years, uh, Mr. Greg Walker. Oh, yes. Oh, hey, side here we armor. go. Side armor, I love side armors. He pitched for the uh, Phillies. He pitched for the Braves, and at this time he's with the Royals. Gene Garber. Oh, yeah. Gene, Gene would turn Garber. all the way around. He got Pete Rose out, the last out to win his 44-game hit streak. That's and then right. he jumped up and down. He was so excited because he hated Pete Rose. And Pete Rose got mad saying, why are they jumping up and down like they won the pennant? <laughs> I love Garber. Oh, uh, former Expo, Dave Engel. Okay, I don't know much about him. Like the uniform, though. Oh, this guy is a connoisseur of fine wines. Mr. Tony LaRusa. Yes. He should invest in some Uber drivers. Yeah. Oh, former pitcher. Uh, closed a little bit for the White Sox, Bob James. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I love this guy. I just wish he wouldn't have screwed up. He could have been one of the greats. Mr. Doc Gooden. Oh, man. Now, he came on the scene, a 19-year-old. Yeah. Phenomenal. Dr. K. 87, he had 148 strikeouts. You, you know who was number 10 in 1987 in strikeouts with 147 strikeouts? Jamie Moyer. Jamie he Moyer. He was 49 years old. Wow. Uh, former pitcher for the Giants, Kelly Downs. Oh, I remember him. Yes. I like that picture. This this gentleman once had 57 saves for the White Sox and was an all-star, and then that ruined his arm, Bobby Thigpen. Yes, I remember that year. Oh, and my favorite player growing up, because my American League team was the Royals, Mr. George Brett. Oh, yeah. That's my cards. Oh, good yeah. Name. That was a good pack. Man, very good. Well, 2019, it, I have the cards, and we recovered that decade, so that's kind of a – a nice touch there. We just mentioned he was on your all-decade uh, team, Chris Bryant. 
Hey, Chris. There he is. I hi, how you doing, Vince? Yeah, I, I I love those blue jerseys of the the Cubs. That's my favorite uh jersey of theirs. That blue one, Chris Bryant. And was that his last year with the Cubs? 2019? Was that it? Uh no, uh, his last year was 2021 when he got traded. Oh, okay. 20. He went that far. Well, this next guy, he was minor league player of the year, Billy Hamilton. Looks like he's playing in Wrigley Field right there. Uh, they the Reds were thinking he was going to be, you know, the next big thing. He just couldn't hit major league pitching. He could run like the wind, but he just couldn't hit. Yeah, we had him for 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 a few months a couple years ago down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, he just couldn't hit. He could run. He, he, he could, could run. <laughs> yeah, he rented that dugout after a strikeout really well. Uh, Cole Stewart from the Twins. Uh, the Twins announced they got new uniforms this year. I haven't seen them yet, but we'll we'll see what they look like. Uh, seems like the Twins change uniforms about every three years. Uh, let's see who we got here. Oh, the Cardinals. We thought we had him. And then the Red Sox, we were going to sign him for big bucks. And then the Red Sox got him. And, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. The Red Sox got him, but there's David Price had a nice career with Tampa Bay. But, uh, anyway, he, he had some great years, you know? Um, oh, here we go. California angels or Anaheim. See, I'm old school, but it's, uh, it's Cole Calhoun. Yeah. Right there. So that's a pretty good one. Got, uh, oh, uh, this is a Detroit pitcher. I always thought he'd be a good one to add to the team. Michael Fulmer. Yeah. A very good pitcher. I tell you what, the Tigers, although they're not winning a lot of games right now, they got some good young talent. This was the 150th year of Major League Baseball. I went to the Reds game that year, and uh, they have a like a, I don't know, a tribute card here of uh, Joe Morgan. No, Little Joe. Little Joe. Look at them sideburns. 1970s right there. Big red machine. I remember when he would come up, he'd always like pump that arm or something like that. Yeah. By the way, I just hurt myself. (laughs) All right. Oh, this guy's really good. He's with Toronto now, but in 2019, George Springer. Yeah. Big part of the uh, trash can banging right there. There Yeah, I got hurt hurt in the playoffs this year. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Right at the final game. That's true. This guy's been around a long time, and I remember J.D. Martinez. That guy is a professional hitter. I'm not sure yeah. who he's with now, but uh, a very good hitter. Um, oh, Christian Yelich, MVP right there. Um, very good player. You know what, Vince? You say the word, and they show up. Jake Arietta. <laughs> Jake! There he is with the Phillies. But uh, a very good player. And I remember that that stretch he had. You're probably going to lose every game he pitched. And uh, and uh, a Cardinal here, Jose Martinez. Right there, Jose Martinez. And that's my final one. Very so we good. Ended, we ended on a Cardinal. Very good. Yeah, I can't believe I almost closed the show without opening up baseball cards. I would remind you, but I, I the whole show, I think, man, I hope somebody comes by the door and I can have them hand me my cards or something like that. But I think I'm the only one home right now. Yeah. Oh, your family left you. Uh, they, they left me. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, JJ, I will see you next week. Sounds good. I look forward to it. And we'll be about a week away from spring training then. It'll be exciting. It'll be good. Thank you for joining us. Take care. Mm-hmm.